The Spirit of God is in this place. The Spirit of God is in this place. Go ahead and pray with me if you don't mind. Father, be with us right now and help us to imagine the possibilities available to us now as a result of your Spirit dwelling within us as individuals and as a body of Christ. And it's the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go ahead and, uh, if you're not already there, turn to Romans chapter 8. Whether you do have a Bible in your hands and you've got paper, or you've got your favorite digital device or smart device, find Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. But before we dig into this text, here's what I would love for you to do. Take your two fingers, whether your right hand or your left hand, I don't know which handed you are, and I want you to take your pulse. Literally, take your two fingers and either put it on your carotid artery on your neck or on your radial artery, which is found in your wrist. Take your pulse. Do you feel that? I hope you feel that. Um, If you don't feel that, we have several nurses and physicians here in the room that can assist you. Um, But if you feel your pulse right now, guess what? It means you, Blake Parker are alive, right? If you can feel your pulse, you are alive. And your pulse rate is this fantastic measurement of your heart rate, right? It's happening right now in your body, and you and I can count the number of times your heart beats in one minute. I've actually seen it take place. Uh, When Jennifer's dad was still doing physicals, one of the things that he does is he takes a, uh, what is it, Jen, the machine, the, the, what? The ultrasound, and he puts it on your carotid artery right here, and he watches the blood flow, and he looks for plaque in that artery. But the blood is pumping in and out of your arteries as we speak. It's actually quite an amazing phenomenon. You are doing nothing to keep it going, right? It's doing it. It's happening. There are things you can do to stop it, don't get me wrong, but you have blood pumping through your veins. Blood is this incredible fluid that our bodies have that transport oxygen and nutrients to all parts of your body. Every organ in your body needs blood. Every part of your, all of your cells need blood, and it's pulsating through you right now. Do you know that after 70 plus years of research, there is still no substitute for blood? It's not possible. It is so unique in what it is, and the constancy of the composition of your blood is made possible by circulation. It's just an amazing thing. So blood is literally being transported through all parts of your body. It's circulating, and it circulates back up into your heart, and it does it again, and the process continues to repeat. So your body is constantly circulating the blood in your body. It's really actually rather essential to you and I walking around. Your wounds heal faster when your blood is doing what it's supposed to do. Your mind actually stays sharp when your blood is doing and circulating like it's supposed to. It keeps your heart and my heart healthy. It animates us. It energizes us. And it helps you and I function at full capacity. Can we admit that blood is important? That's a good thing, right? So about half your blood in your body is made up of red blood cells. You know this. 
It carries oxygen where it needs to go. You also have white blood cells, which actually fight off infections. Doctors, nurses, lab physicians, whoever it is, lab technicians rely on this laboratory work of your blood right, to gather useful information that can actually detect abnormalities or diseases or blood conditions. And just one, for example, is anemia. It's this lack of red blood cells that causes fatigue and irregular heartbeats sometimes. It actually just causes general malaise or weakness and often breathlessness. Anemia is just one of many conditions that we can experience in our blood. So if I've not belabored the point enough, blood is an element or a vital element to the human body. It represents life. If you read in the text, you'll find that blood itself is also sacred in the Bible, especially in its association with life. And so we're going to come back to that a little bit later. So go ahead and look at Romans chapter 8. I was mentioning this to Mike Higgins this morning because it's just fresh on my palate. Up until this point, up until Romans chapter 8, Paul has mentioned the Holy Spirit four times. Four times in seven chapters. When you get to Romans chapter 8, he mentions the word spirit or Holy Spirit 21 times. It might cue us to think that he's talking about something rather important at this point to use this language over and over again. So in other words, there's a theme here, right? So maybe we should pay attention, close attention. So Romans 8 is this epic invitation to the church in Rome. To all these house churches that make up the church. It's, it's this way of life that Paul is talking about. And for Paul, it's not just head knowledge. It's lived theology. So Paul is literally writing this church, these churches, equipping them to be who God is calling them to be in the midst of the context that they are in. And so they're in this process of becoming and forming into this vibrant church. And they're becoming this living breathing body of Christ as individuals and as the community it's as if Paul is saying here's what I want you to do check your pulse let me tell you church what is actually running through your veins there is something circulating in your body that you have yet to embrace check your pulse but I'm fascinated by what Paul does here he doesn't set up this lecture about what the Holy Spirit is Rather, he shares the importance about what the Holy Spirit does. Are you with me on this? I'm going to follow the text. I'm not going to have a lecture about what the Holy Spirit is. We're going to talk today about what the text says and what Paul says and what Jesus says the Holy Spirit does. Not just then, but now. Are you with me? We're talking about what the Holy Spirit does. So Paul invites them to imagine to embrace the possibilities that are available to them now, in real time. He invites them to see what the Holy Spirit is doing, what it can do in their midst and in their circumstances, and especially in the tensions that the church friends have with each other. It's a game changer. If you're familiar with that term, it's a game changer. So think about everything that Leslie's been working through on Sunday mornings to get us to this point. Can't you hear Paul? Paul says, don't you get it? 
you have a sin problem. In fact, you all have a sin problem, a flesh problem. You all have it. You Jewish believers, you have had and you still have a flesh problem. Yes, you know and you practice Torah. But you sit in judgment of the Gentiles. And it should not be so. You Gentile believers, you have had and still have a flesh problem. As pagans, you were invested in idolatry. So Jupiter and Juno and Mars have nothing on Jesus. And yes, you now believe in Jesus as the Messiah, but you still host despising attitudes towards the Jewish people. And it shouldn't be so. All of you have a flesh problem. So Paul's desires for this church are that they live in alignment with the Spirit of God that is literally dwelling within them. He says, church, check your pulse. Check your pulse. What is flowing through your arteries? What is flowing through your body? The answer to your tensions and frustrations with each other is the Holy Spirit of God that is living in your midst. If you've got Romans open, I'm going to refer back to just the first few verses here. He says, don't you see? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. You belong to him. The spirit of Jesus Christ has set you free. You have been set free to walk according to the spirit. Church, he says, check your pulse. Those who live according to the Spirit, those, who, those in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, those who have the Spirit flowing through their bodies, set their minds on things of the Spirit. And at this point, you might be going, what on earth does that even mean? Set your mind on things of the Spirit. And furthermore, why does it even matter? Let me pull up Colossians chapter 3 for a moment. You don't have to turn there unless you want to. This is Colossians chapter 3, just to give you an idea of where Paul's going with this. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So did you hear that? Paul says, set your mind on things in the realm above, not necessarily in the clouds, but this other realm that exists, not on earthly things, not on this realm. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And then he goes into this long list about all the things that we should put to death. But listen to verse 12. Therefore, right, where's Tom? Therefore, what's the therefore, therefore, right? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the lord forgave and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity so perhaps it'd be helpful for even us even in our time right now to think beyond flesh and spirit being just about our bodies, our mortal bodies while they're here on this earth. That's part of the conversation. But it seems that Paul also understands flesh and spirit in terms of time and space and history or realm, if you would. And so Paul says, 
this time. This current age that you and I are living in right now in 2021 is corrupted with sin and decay and death. And it's why you and I continue to experience tension here on this earth. Have you experienced tension this week? With somebody? With something? Paul also tells us our, you know, our battles are not with the flesh, but there are other things at work here. So he reminds us that there are things happening on this earth, in this time, that we need help with. But there's also an age to come. There's a realm where everything is redeemed, and the curse of humanity has been reversed, and there's no more tension, there's no more broken, and there's no more sin. And so Paul says, think about this. When you set your minds on things above, when you set your minds on things of the Spirit, you are setting your minds on that realm which is to come. And when you set your mind on that realm which is to come, you function in a way while you're in this age that reflects what is on its way. And that's why our character and our behavior matters when you and I are here. Because when we think about those things, those things, that spirit has a way of transforming us and we give glimpses. It's not ever going to be perfect until that time comes. But we literally function this way and have the ability to function this way because the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life. So you and I, as people of the spirit, we are meant to embody the kingdom that is coming. And so Paul says, stop living in bondage. You've been set free. He says, you are spirit people. Imagine this new identity for yourself. Stop cultivating the flesh. Check your pulse. Check your pulse. You literally have the spirit of God pulsating through your body as individuals, and as the body of Christ, cultivate this power. Listen to Romans chapter 8, 9 through 11. But you are not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. Since the spirit of God dwells in you. It literally says since the spirit of God takes up residence in your life. It dwells in you. It's part of you. It makes itself at home in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But Christ is in you. Though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead takes up residence in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give you life, will give life to your mortal bodies as though his spirit dwells in you. Paul says the spirit of God dwells in you. You belong to Jesus Christ, so live like it. Stop living like this realm. So if you're hearing Paul, there are other words representative of life in the text, not just blood. In Hebrew, the word is ruach. This breath of God. This breath of God that breathes life into creation. It's what hovered over creation at the very beginning of time, and it still hovers over and interacts. And then Paul uses the word pneuma in the Greek, which is also spirit or the spirit of God. And so ruach and pneuma, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, both represent life. And Paul says, if God's spirit dwells within us, the power of the Holy Spirit is circulating through the body of Christ. Did you hear that? 
if the Spirit of God dwells within us, the Spirit is circulating through the body of Christ. Do you believe that? Do we live that way? What's keeping us from living that way? I don't know about you, but I've been doing this for a while now. I'm kind of tired. I'm a PK. My mom's listening somewhere online. My dad preached for 50 years. He was often labeled a heretic, troublemaker. That's my favorite. That's my favorite word they used to use for my dad. He was a troublemaker because he talked about the Holy Spirit. You troublemaker. I've always wondered, I've wondered for at least in my adult years, what, what's missing? My dad talked about the Spirit, and I remember growing up in a setting where it was talked about and where it was nurtured and cultivated, but I still wonder, what's, it seems like there's got to be more. I mean, have you ever sat there and wondered when you think about this journey that maybe the church is missing something maybe a little vital to life, to our presence while we're here on this earth and it really does seem to get really exhausting we keep trying to do this thing called life and do this thing called living in jesus by ourselves by our head knowledge and by our own merit it's really exhausting there's no shortage of those who believe that the church in north america has tragically neglected the presence of the holy spirit Maybe if not neglected, maybe you rather use this language, maybe grossly misunderstood. And, and, and for most of us, we've been conditioned and taught to view or relate to the Holy Spirit in a very particular way. So maybe it's not that we deny the existence of the Spirit, but you and I are not confident to talk about what we've experienced in the Holy Spirit throughout our lifetime. Or maybe we just didn't recognize it for what it was. I'm going to say it, Tim. I asked Tim Bewley for permission to do this before we got up here. I'm kidding you not, we're in class, what, four weeks ago maybe? Four or five weeks ago? And we're having this conversation about this journey, this spiritual journey, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And Tim raises his hand, and he says, hey, this might sound a little weird. And I stopped him, because I, I know Tim well enough to know that the Holy Spirit pumps through Tim Bewley's veins. And it's part of his story, it's part of what is continuing to transform who he is. And so I, I paused him and I said, wait a second, I think I know where you're going. But he, he kept going a little bit and he said, Let me, this may sound kind of weird, but I feel like the Holy Spirit has moved me, has spoken to me, I've heard the Holy Spirit in his ways. And I stopped him, I said, Tim, class, listen, of all places in the world for it not to be weird to talk about the Holy Spirit, shouldn't it be in our church? Why would, and then, again, Tim knew where I was coming from, so I, he, I was not calling Tim weird. Okay, you may think Tim's weird, that's fine, right? You know I'm weird, it's all good, we're in this thing together, all right? Either way, I wasn't a, it wasn't a knock against him, it wasn't an indictment, it's just saying, oh my goodness, of all places for us to be able to talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, why not here? Why does it have to be weird? Why wouldn't we expect to have those conversations here? Do you know that I've had more conversations about the Holy Spirit standing in the grocery store line at Walmart? With clerks who don't have any idea of what's happening in their life, and we begin to talk, I go, man, that sounds like something big. Sounds like something's moving. 
I don't know where you are on all this, but we kind of will host conversations. I don't always expect for those conversations to take place at Walmart, but they do. Guess where else they take place? They take place at restaurants in this city when we go out as a staff and we say, hey, waiter or waitress, what's your name? Can we pray for you? And they go, what? You care? No, we just want to talk. And you would be amazed at the conversations that begin to erupt. The Holy Spirit is on the move. And of all places, this should be a place that we can talk about this Holy Spirit and what it does and what it is. So when you and I survey Scripture, what we see is that the Holy Spirit produces a very different kind of person than what the world produces. And just maybe, I don't know about you, but maybe John Micah has become a little too comfortable with his current relationship with the Spirit to feel the weight of the problem that exists. Maybe. Maybe all of us. Maybe we could read the Bible fresh for the first time ever and unlearn the things that we've heard and maybe experience it for the first time. Maybe you and I would have very different expectations for what the Holy Spirit is and does. Perhaps you and I would come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit is as essential to believers as air is to staying alive or as blood is pumping through our veins. Did you know that almost 170 years ago, in the late 1850s, a number of debates and written exchanges took place between two really fine gentlemen. Robert Richardson, no relation, and Tolbert Fanning, both belonging to what we know as the restoration movement that the churches of Christ are a part of. The topic at hand, the, re the reception of and dwelling of the Spirit in the life of a believer. This is 170 years ago, friends. Richardson truly believed that the Spirit took up residence, just as Paul is talking about, and dwelled in the life of the believer, that the believer was animated by and experienced vitality and a real presence of the Spirit. He says, we need more than head knowledge. Fanning, good man, believed and argued that the Bible and the five bodily senses provide the only pathway to transformation in the human soul and its development, practically denying the Spirit's presence and power. He says all we need is head knowledge for the Christian existence in this realm and in this time. And so controversy broke out. This is where the position, affirming that the Spirit works only through the Word, was given birth. Leslie mentioned this last week. It's how he grew up believing that the Holy Spirit existed. So Richardson believed that if the churches of Christ followed Fanning's guidance and dominant theological pattern, that it would lead to an absence of divine life and energy. Here was his biggest fear. Let me read this to you. That the churches of Christ would experience an anemic... Did you hear that word? Anemic and stale version of life in the spirit. It's 170 years ago. And he said his greatest fear is that later generations would reap the leanness of the vision imposed. I wonder which view has characterized the great majority of churches of Christ over the last century. There is a real 
living Holy Spirit that dwells in the life of the believer. So maybe it's time for us to check our pulse. You don't literally have to take your two fingers to get in and check your wrist or your neck. But I do ask, what on earth is circulating through our veins if it is not the Holy Spirit? And what would it look like for you and I to embrace the Spirit of God that is dwelling within us? So it seems that even though this letter was written 2,000 years ago, that Paul is still inviting the body of Christ to live Jesus now in our time in this context as people who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. You and I are still invited to live according to the Spirit. You and I are still invited to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. In fact, check this out. The Spirit of God is what made it possible for Gentiles and Jewish people to sit at the same table that Owen just walked us through, and to sit at the same table and have union together in Christ. They had their differences, but the Holy Spirit is what unified them. It is the same Holy Spirit that unifies you and me when we disagree, when we bicker, when we fuss, when we pout, when we gripe about every ridiculous thing that there is to gripe about in this world. And if the Holy Spirit can't bring us back together in union, then we need to check our pulse. The same Spirit of God sits with us. The same Spirit of God helps you and I align and orient our lives in Jesus. Check this out. There is no substitute. Without the Spirit, you and I risk living an anemic spiritual existence. Fatigued, weak, and sometimes out of breath. So if you're watching Romans chapter 8 carefully, Paul contrasts two kinds of lives. One lived in the flesh, and one lived in the Spirit. Pretty simple question. Which one... Are you as an individual? And which one are we as a church cultivating? It's when you and I live our lives according to the Spirit, when the Spirit of God is circulating through our body, we become tangible witnesses to the kingdom. In fact, if you look on the slide, several things here. Our identity literally changes. We move from people of the flesh to people of the spirit our mindset changes we move from people of having a mind of the flesh to having a mind of the spirit and our lifestyle changes we move from living according to the flesh to live according to the spirit so what on earth does any of this mean i don't even know that we can even begin to unwrap unpackage it all But there are some real tangible things for you and I that if we're talking about lifestyle and we're talking about character and we're talking about behavior, we're talking about fruit that actually dwells within us, then it looks like something. And the Bible teaches us that when you and I put on baptism or put on Jesus in baptism, that you and I receive the gift of the Spirit. As we mature in Christ, our relationship with the Spirit matures. So you and I, we are animated by the Spirit. We become more Christ-like. It affects everything, literally everything. Hear this. How you and I interact with coworkers is affected by this circulating through our bodies. How you treat your employees, if you have employees, how you speak down to your employees or how you embrace your employees is affected by the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. I kid you not, I walk by a number of phone calls that my wife is on with their business 
She works for a, a large healthcare organization. And when their CEO is on, it is, there is no doubt in my mind that there is a presence within them because of the care that he speaks for his employees. It matters and it affects how you treat strangers, how you treat waiters, waitresses, sales clerks, or people who just don't look like you and me. How you speak to your friends, how you speak to your spouse, how you speak to your children. Did you hear that? Literally, your speech and my speech is transformed by the dwelling of the Spirit within our life. Maybe we should check our pulse. It also affects how we think about others. And this is a wild one. Maybe even how we think about ourselves. So do me a favor and just pray with me for a moment. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may we experience the gift of your Holy Spirit. May we become people who do nothing out of selfish ambition, but rather in humility may we value others above ourselves. Father, by the power of your Spirit, may we become more generous and hospitable to others. May we bear fruit. May we become people of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And against these things, there is no law. Fill us, Father, with an increasing measure of your Holy Spirit. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, maybe it's time for us to check our pulse. As individuals in the church body, may you and I embrace the spirit of God that dwells within us, and may we live like it. So maybe you're here today hearing some of this for the first time. Maybe you've been dabbling in it for a while, and you simply want to place Jesus Christ on in baptism and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. If you've been traveling on this journey for a while and you are simply wanting prayers for an increased measure of what the Holy Spirit can do in your life, then stand with us as we come and sing.